Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil. And I read that this film that we're talking about today is based on an old script by the Coen brothers. Yeah. And I think I can actually kind of feel from what era it's from. It's, it's, it's supposed to be from around the Hudsucker proxy in the early 90s. And I feel like it has certain resonances with some of their work around that time, like Miller's Crossing. Sure. Uh, I really kind of it's kind of interesting to have that kind of dip back to the past with their their work. Yeah, I actually read somewhere that this was the first script that they wrote after Blood Simple. I believe it. Yeah. So it was it was early early Cohen's. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm Andrew, I'm your other co-host and uh my intro also has to do with the Cohen's and their screenwriting and it is to say that perhaps uh the best people to direct the Coen Brothers script are the Coen Brothers themselves. <laughs> yes, and certainly not George Clooney. Mm, yeah, yeah. The film we're talking about is Suburbicon. Uh, we're going to talk all about it uh, in just a moment. Uh, first, I want to tell you guys out there where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog, which is found at www.in-the-q.com. And uh, we also have a Facebook page. Just search Facebook for In the Q. Q U E U E is how Q is spelled. And on both of those places that I mentioned, you can find uh, all of our episodes. Mm-hmm. And on our Facebook page, you can leave comments for us. Uh, we like to have guests come on the show. We do. To talk about the film of their choice. And so you can reach us on Facebook if you want to be on our show. That guest could be you. Could be the very person I'm speaking to. In your ear hole right now. Indeed. Uh, also, we have a Twitter. It is at ITQ Podcast. Follow us. We'll follow you back. And lastly, you can find us on iTunes uh, or the podcast and overcast aggregate apps. Indeed. Uh, so ch- check us out. And uh, without any further ado, the film we are discussing today is Suburbicon. Welcome to Suburbicon, a town of great wonder and excitement. Hey there. Built with the promise of prosperity for all. Nikki, you need to get up. There are men in the house. Son, there's something I have to tell you. Those men killed mom. We've decided it'd be best if your Auntie Margaret came and stayed with us. Nikki needs a mother. We'll be strong. We'll be fine. Mr. Lodge? Yes. You know a character named Rizzoli? He's a loan shark. If you were into the mob for money, that might explain what happened to your wife. Hi, pal. This is the last time that clown's gonna ignore us. Take care of a kid. These animals took everything from us. I have to make decisions like what's best for the family. Any progress on the investigation? A mobster got killed a couple of days ago. I can end the conversation real quick. Sorry for his loss. Of life? Yeah, I guess he probably is too. Nobody I'm here to collect. What do you want? I want all of it. All of it. 
Nothing like this ever happened here. This is a safe place. It was. Would you like a cup of coffee? I could have you killed in no time. I'm gonna kill you too. <laughs> And that Great last DJ sound effect of him, Matt Damon, pedaling away on a little bicycle. Is, Tiny little bicycle. That's like, I thought, one of the most amusing parts of the trailer. And uh, Yeah. This film is not not that amusing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the trailer has a very kind of bouncy feel, and it's very, it's kind of fun and in a very dark, dark sort of way. Yeah. Um, but the the premise of Suburbicon is it takes place in 1959 in this kind of like idyllic, modern for the time suburban community uh, that has a shopping mall and lots of homes and it's meant to be kind of like this new paradise Indeed. for for America. And uh, at the beginning, this uh, decidedly white community is. Uh, visited by a new African-American family who move in and uh, the Myers and um, instantly the the community starts to take a dislike to them because mm -hmm. they're racist and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. while this family is really I would say somewhat tangentially related to the other story going on in the film the primary story uh, it's we we revisit this family throughout the film until it kind of, until they all kind of dovetail into each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, and the, the script that we were talking about that the Coen brothers wrote is the story of mostly to do with the characters of, uh, the man that Matt Damon plays uh, named Gardner Lodge, who is uh, the patriarch of this family. Um, one day or one night, I should say there is a home invasion and yeah. these men mysteriously make their way into their house. The little boy gets woken up and taken downstairs. Um, the family is all chloroformed. And when they all come to, um, the little boy's mother, played by Julianne Moore, is dying. Mm -hmm. And she she eventually does die. Um, but uh, the film grows more intriguing as it seems that Gardner Lodge himself may have had something to do with this mm, invasion, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he actually may be in cahoots with these home invaders. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's kind of it. It goes from there. And um, I think this movie really wants to have that kind of darkly comic Coen Brothers feel to it. Sure. And... Uh, George Clooney has acted in the Coen Brothers films, and I think he really loves the Coen Brothers style. Yeah. And he really kind of wants to recreate it in part. Um, but there are many, many problems, I think, at work here. And I think one significant problem that we could start talking about is how uh, the, the characters of the Myers family are 
are really not even fleshed out characters, but really just kind of like meant to be symbols yeah. of of uh, backwards thinking uh, attitudes from the 1950s that a lot of white people had. Yeah. Um, before we get into that conversation, let me lay a little bit of groundwork from some reading that I did about this film. Mm-hmm. To sort of give a sense of maybe why this film is the way that it is, which um, I think most critics and audiences have seemed to be very lukewarm at best on this film. Um, essentially, George Clooney was attached to act in this film at one point in time. The Coen brothers were working on it. They were trying to bring it to production in the mid-2000s, like 2004, mm. 2005. And Clooney had been in several of their movies by that point. And uh, and so they they had him they were in talks with him to play the role that Oscar Isaac ultimately plays in this film, which is the an insurance investigator, basically um, mm-hmm. claims investigator. And he had been working more recently on a film about the Myers family, which is based on a real incident in the United yeah, States, Pennsylvania, in the fifties in, in Pennsylvania. And um, he had been working on a script with his writing partner, Grant Heslov, about that. And then he remembered that the the Coen brothers had been working on this other film. And he sort of tried to marry the two things into one because he felt like he wasn't, he didn't have the voice. This this is in an interview where he uh, spoke about this, I think, at uh, Sundance or, or one of the other festivals, Toronto, maybe. I think it was Toronto. This film yeah. it was a. Uh, it premiered in Venice, but it did come to Toronto too. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he he basically said, uh, well, you know, I don't think that I'm qualified to necessarily tell their story because, you know, I'm a straight white dude in America, you know. Uh, but I did feel very close to this this story that the Coens had written, and I I wanted to tell that story. But he said that what happened was they started working on Suburbicon as the Coens wrote it, which was much more humorous, much more of that kind of dark Fargo type humor. Um, and it was really heavy on that, but he said that while they were in production or pre-production on the film or production, I guess, uh, 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 <laughs> Donald Trump won the election. <laughs> And so he decided that he had to amplify this other story within the context of Suburbicon. And I do not think it works at all in that regard, especially the closing of the film, which we'll talk about at some point, I'm sure. But like the last shot of this film is baffling. Um, That's so that's so so terrible. I mean, he, he didn't do this movie does not do any service to anybody, any community of anyone. Sure. Uh, and to think to think that he was he had in mind that he was in some way providing a, a counter perspective to Donald Trump with this movie is uh, it's it is baffling to me. Yeah, because uh, the film like does not in any way try to portray characters um in this, in the the person of the Myers family, um, they really yeah. are just kind of like symbols of, rather than actually being fleshed out people. Um, but talking about the actual Coen Brothers side of the film, yeah, um, 
the film is is very very dark and uh, relentlessly dark and doesn't quite balance uh, tone very well. Uh, it doesn't really have much in the way of of humorous moments. Yeah, I thought that kind of offer a respite from the unrelenting uh, just bleakness. Yeah, um, and there's no I, that, I want pancakes house. <laughs> there's no Peter Stormare offering great <laughs> memorable intentionally badly written one-liners yeah yeah <laughs> i remember he's like he's like joel joel and ethan uh, shouldn't i say pancake house he's like no it's pancakes house pancakes house <laughs> plural yeah um no but uh it just was not really fun you know there's really nothing fun about it and yeah it's if you look at the the great kind of conglomeration of talent in this on this picture you've got yeah the, it looks great by Robert Ellsworth, the cinematographer. It uh, certainly one, does. won an Oscar working with Paul Thomas Anderson on There Will Be Blood. Yep. And you've got wonderful actors like Julianne Moore and Matt Damon, I think is good. And um, Oscar some Isaac. smaller bit players, Oscar Isaac, of course. And uh, George Clooney is not an incompetent director. No, he's but, made some excellent films. Yeah. Uh, and he has a, a decent acumen for portraying visual storytelling sure so where did it go wrong and i think it went wrong in the writing is is the first place that i would really point to um one thing that i learned that offers me a lot of enjoyment about movies is when when you see a screenwriting credit and it says and it gives somebody's name like they'll say joel cohen ampersand ethan cohen Mm -hmm. and then it'll say the word and George Clooney, ampersand, Grant Hesloff. Yeah. The ampersand, the difference between that and regular, the word and, is that the ampersand means that the two literally collaborated on the script. So what I kind of gather is that the Coens offered their pre-written script to Clooney and Hesloff. Yeah. And then they inserted their perspective into the film. And, uh... I think I can kind of get what what the the message is. Obviously, uh, what what Hesloff and Clooney was trying were trying to say about racism and intolerance, about how uh, you know these there were these horrible things happening in this white neighborhood, and yet uh, everybody kept pointing fingers at the the Myers family who were really completely innocent. Right. But they were being they were being targeted because of their race. And it's like, hey, you know, it's like they should have took, taken a better look at themselves before they criticized this other family. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's kind of a ham-fisted uh, – that could have been like an op-ed piece in well, a newspaper. It could, didn't need to be a film. Well, yeah. and Well, I mean, I don't mind people making sort of filmic op-eds if they want to. But uh, I think the major problem with this is that, yeah, that – could be a way of reading the film, but I though like the threads never come together. It mm-hmm. seems like this Cohen brothers twisty turny plot is operating at the same time that this other movie is operating. Like it's like two movies operating side by side and never really meeting, except for the fact that the children of both families play ball together. But beyond that, there's I mean that's that's a ham-fisted uh, sort of 
way of of uh, dealing with everything. Yeah, it's 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 just plain not good. I mean, like, because yeah. you've got we're we're following these like very complex machinations going on between Matt Damon and his sister-in-law and his son and these criminals. Yeah, and then it's like, meanwhile, down the street, you know, it's like this is what yeah. this family's doing. Yeah, and then it goes back to the rest, and it's like there really is. I, I to me, it's it it kind of. It just, it tends to kind of reduce this family to a, a plot device, yeah. to a very uh, just kind of bland, symbolic device that advances uh, the agenda of uh, the screenwriters rather than trying to create like a story about the family. They're just kind of inserted into this existing script, which has seemingly nothing to do with it yeah uh it just was it was about something utterly different and for george clooney to say like yeah i'm in response to trump's election i cobbled this together enjoy i mean it really does feel cobbled together without any kind of cohesion to it yeah no question about it and and it really i like i i have seldom encountered a film that um felt so disjointed from one segment to the next but more than that uh a film that that you can see the germ of like really great coen brothers work underneath this i mean there are lines that are clearly lines that have been written by the coen brothers you know there are exchanges between individuals that are so coen but then yeah. when you see it directed by clooney it feels nothing like the coen brothers and the coens can get away with with really kind of uh, immature, cartoonish humor and violence, I think. Sure. Uh, but but as directed by George Clooney, they can't. There's there's a scene that is like so damn absurd where uh, a villain and Matt Damon are riding down the road and they're yelling at each other. Yeah. And then as they are yelling back and forth, like a truck seemingly comes out of nowhere yeah. and just destroys the villain. Yeah. And it's a very cartoonish idea. And directed by Clooney, it it's just... nightmarish almost. Nightmarish, but it just does not pass. It does not work as a, a, a joke. Because logically, the movie doesn't have the, uh, the overall like Warner Brothers cartoon logic of, say, Raising Arizona. It yeah. is mostly directed in a realistic way. So to have a very unrealistic kind of sight gag like that, where a truck that nobody seems to notice suddenly appears from just off of the frame right and demolishes somebody. Yeah. Uh, sure. For in the split second, it's funny because it comes out of nowhere and it's shocking, but then you kind of have to reckon with the fact that it doesn't kind of jibe with the world that they've created. It's just kind of, uh, amateur it doesn't yeah and it's work. it's also very difficult to ascertain exactly how Clooney as a filmmaker feels about it because in the aftermath of that accident he kind of lingers on the dying character and the further pain of of their demise and then cuts back to as you said Phil this shot from the trailer where that's, I think, supposed to be comic of Matt Damon 
pedaling away on a, a much too small bicycle. But instead of just like picking it up and running, yeah, which would be faster. Well, yeah, but even so, just that that like the tonal shift doesn't ever happen, so it just stays dark and weird and uncomfortable instead of ever yeah. like like a Coen Brothers. You in a Coen Brothers film, you find yourself laughing in spite of yourself at things that are abjectly terrible. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things that things that are. One hundred percent horrible. It's like the 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 leg in the wood chipper, right? It's absurd yeah. and funny, but also horrifying at the same time. It's it's one of those things that is both revolting and hilarious. Yeah, and I think that the yes, the Coen brothers do their work better than anybody else. Yeah, but maybe there's something in their writing that only they can really understand, you know, because they're brothers and they know each other so well. Um, if you look at other films that people have adapted from their scripts, like I, I wonder you, I didn't know this, but you said that this was made right after this was written right after blood simple. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right after blood simple, the Coen brothers wrote a script for another film called crime wave. Yeah. Yeah. That was directed by Sam Raimi and Sam Raimi, uh, he like he made a film out of that script that everybody hated (laughs) and there's even some like some intriguing kind of visual spillover there because like i made a video essay about this yeah it's a great video essay by the way thank you i really love it um but there's a scene in crime way where this very large rotund bald man is driving a car and he's like ramming it up against another car that's next to him at the time and that visual is very much like Glenn Fleshler in this movie, mm-hmm. driving his car maniacally and kind of uh, teasing Matt Damon. Um, but what I was going to say is, like, I really do think that the Coen brothers are geniuses. Oh, no because, question. And, no I, question. and I, think they're, I think they're genius. Um, and maybe the difference between what I would call somebody who's a genius and somebody who's brilliant, because I think a brilliant person can kind of uh, effectively reproduce great work consistently Mm. like a craftsman would. They know how to reproduce uh, very high quality material uh, consistently, like a lot of great studio directors did. Like like Ron Howard would be a modern version of that, right? That's being very generous to Ron Howard, I would say. Oh, are you kidding Uh, me? Oh, he's so great. He's good, but I was thinking like Billy Wilder, who's made Mm. dozens of great films. Um, sure. And really knows the, the the craft of filmmaking. Sure. But the Coen brothers can be inconsistent. Sometimes they miss the mark. But when they do miss the mark, it's unlike anything else ever. It's unlike anybody else's work, and yeah. it's it's fantastic and and, and genius. So um, yeah, that's why somebody can make Fargo and No Country for Old Men, and then make Intolerable Cruelty or The Lady Killers. Yeah. Um, Which I so, just watched the original version of, by the way. Oh yeah, I've seen that with Peter Sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very boyish Peter Sellers. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Scamp. Rascally. Yeah. It made me want to go back and watch the Coen Brothers version again. Just a little side note. That's all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I think after the Coen Brothers, they used to be very like dogged, independent guys. Like they yeah. would only direct their own scripts Mm -hmm. and then they adapted they adapted homer 
in a in a humorous way, yep. in yep. A, a loose way for uh, for uh, a oh, brother where art thou? Yeah. And then they adapted a book for No Country for Old Men, and they were richly rewarded for doing that. Yeah. Then they started having other people direct their scripts, and they started doing, I think, work that was not quite as uh, as a uh, cutthroat as a lot of their earlier stuff. Mm. Uh, and I think that. Um, they still have done great things like a serious man. I think is fantastic inside Lewin Davis is one of their best movies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but what, what did you think about Oscar Isaac's contribution to this film? I loved him. Uh, I, I thought he was great in the role. Um, I thought he was fun and sure of himself and creepy mm-hmm. all, all at once. Um, it was a small role, you know, uh, yeah. unfortunately he was only on screen for a short amount of time. I thought he did as good as he could, but it also felt you know, there's sometimes you can you can kind of feel when an actor is lacking in direction, like a really good actor, like some really good actors need good directors to turn in really excellent performances. And mm-hmm. I felt like Oscar Isaac was giving it his all, but he was he was he was playing to that Coen Brothers sensibility while Matt Damon and Julianne Moore seemed to be more playing to the Clooney sensibility. And yeah. so it felt like he was like this sort of shot in the arm to the movie momentarily uh, who kind of was, it was sort of like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now I'm this, this feels more like where we should be. Same thing with the police captain. Um, I don't know the actor's name who was playing the, uh, uh-huh. uh, the police, uh, the police sar- sergeant or whoever was uh, calling to ask questions, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, figure out what was going on because the things appear fishy. And, yeah. uh, he he was excellent too because he had he kind of had this uh, handle on the absurdity of the situation. You know, it felt like uh, characters in a Coen Brothers movie. Um, yeah, but that's but, what but was missing. Clooney is Clooney is much more a straightforward director. He's he's just uh, he doesn't have that absurdist sensibility. I mean, his the most absurd thing that he's probably ever done is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. And even yeah, that I was, like that movie. I like it a lot, and yeah. and it's it's but it's very the storytelling of it is very straightforward. It doesn't it doesn't indulge in whimsy in the way that the Coen Brothers do. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind doesn't. Yeah, no, I don't feel like it does. What I about feel, that shot where the 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 military like advisors like karate chops some guy in the neck? Without even like looking, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> that was great. That's the shot that I think of the most. When I think yeah, of no, that's I think of yeah, I think of him uh, on the the uh, standing pool. Yeah, the swimming pool naked. Yeah, yeah, but that's great. Charlie Coffin script too. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, but like, yeah, I mean the Coens, like, oh man, you're right. You're right about that because because Julianne Moore and Matt Damon were not playing that exaggerated absurdist style no they were playing people in a very serious murder drama yeah and if you look at their work the cohen's work especially their earlier films um and not even like the really over the top ones like raising arizona but miller's crossing or or uh, barton fink like the the actors like are really are they're really exaggerating what they're doing and i always thought that was like a very kind of fine line to walk because 
I know that as a director, you're not supposed to be result oriented and you're not supposed to say like, okay, you got to be more cartoonish. You got to be, you got to exaggerate more. Right, right. Right. But somehow he's able to get that understanding with his actors to, to just bring it out. Uh, yeah. And it, the performances are of, and they're of these exaggerated characters, like someone like the late John Polito, who mm. made several films with the Coen brothers and always played this maniacal guy. Yeah. Yeah over-the-top guy but always really sells it hard 100 percent i mean they like they just seem to have an understanding with their actors of what they want yeah and um they were not around to talk to the actors it seems that was left to george clooney yeah and and he has facility with actors he's gotten great performances out of most of the actors in most of his films um but uh i think that I think I think sort of the consensus between us, Phil, is that it just it, it was two movies by two sets of people happening at the same time, but they never really met in the middle. That's I think that's the problem with this film. Yeah, I think it's almost better just to I think I would have I would think that George Clooney maybe he would have had to have waited a little bit longer, but making like a better film about the Myerses yeah. would would have been a better move than to to do this rush job and just kind of halfway address that issue. Yeah, uh, in, the, in that thought, same interview, he says, there's a good film to be made on that subject, but I'd rather see Ava DuVernay or Steve McQueen do that film. So he'll just, he'll just make a bad film on that subject? Is that what he meant? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. There's a good film to be made on that subject, but I'll let somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah, well, they Ava DuVernay would probably do a better job. Yeah. Um, but, oh, well. I guess you could say George Clooney's heart is in the right place. Yeah, yeah. Well, anywho. Um, anywho. This movie, this movie is, is technically well done. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's lacking uh, a, a fun tone. Yeah. And it's also like what everybody is saying, not just me and Andrew, but what all the critics seem to be saying is that you got two threads here, two story threads, and they just do not fit together. Yeah. Um, and to go even further than that, people have said, yeah, and they wouldn't even work on their own uh, because <laughs> they're both just underdeveloped. Yeah. And, well, um, I would say that the Cohen brother, I, I would say that minus all of the additional stuff that, Cludian has love added the Cohen Brothers film would be a good Cohen Brothers film circa the early nineties. <laughs> I mean Well, if they directed it, yeah, I would probably That's agree. what I'm saying, yeah. But I think uh, I think that there is a lot of complex um characters in the Matt Damon Julianne Moore thread yeah, yeah. with some extremely complex motivations that with if they were fleshed out some more into a longer film by themselves, yeah, I think it could be as nearly as compelling as uh, Blood Simple. Indeed, alas, it was not to be. Not to be. So our thoughts about Suburbicon basically not a good film. No. But all you really have to do is look at the sh- staggeringly bad 4.7 rating <laughs> yeah. on IMDb. I think it's at like a 42 or something on Metacritic. Which yeah, is, it's like yeah, it's 42. amazingly bad, and it's got over two thousand ratings. So there's like a there's a following of people who don't like this movie. Yeah, 
But uh, stay tuned for our next episode. It's going to be about the new Jackie Chan vehicle, The Foreigner. Oh, yeah. Where he kind of... It, is it fair to say maybe this is like the latest entry in the kind of like the aging superhero master, master fighter genre that we're seeing? You mean like... Uh... Liam Neeson doing all the Taken movies and stuff like that. Yeah, and like also like Logan and oh, sure. Jean Claude Van Damme's new work. Yeah, well, uh, I'm very interested to see this one because it's directed by Martin Campbell, who directed the two great, two of the three great Bond movies of the last twenty years. Mm. Yeah, well, let's hope that it kicks ass. Yeah, yeah, we we can hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, well, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time.